lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means.
How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Well, welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship, where we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen? And you are in the right place this morning to hear God's voice, to hear his word, and to get some answers, amen, that we could put into practice. But first, we got to worship. So let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We give you praise and honor and glory. We magnify the name of Jesus in this house. We say that God gets all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. This place is charged with thanksgiving to our living God. And we worship you in this atmosphere today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. The sound the whole world around it. 
Chain breaker, amen. Yeah. Oh, we got to do that song. Let's sing it again. Hallelujah. The chain breaker, the way of your glory, that your fire and love consume every part of me. Lord, search deep within me. Lord, search deep within me. 
partake of. I've spread it on a table before you. Take your seat. I've set it for you. It is life for your body, life for your soul. It is life for your purpose, life to make you whole. So come, sit with me, fellowship with me, and feast at my table. Thank you, Jesus. We say yes. We're hungry. We're thirsty. And we sit at the table the Lord's prepared for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Signature Worship Team and Heartfelt Fire Band. Praise you, Lord Jesus. You may be seated. I have a few announcements for us this morning. This week... Pastor Doug is continuing his ministry of teaching and preaching in India. So continue to pray for him, God to strengthen him, open up doors of opportunity, transfer lands to the colleges, resources to the ministry as we touch the nation of hmm, India. You know, what came up in my spirit was Israel. So I just mentioned that we're going to touch Israel as well. So we say yes to that, Lord. We receive that assignment. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Whew. <laughs> okay. And then Tuesday is our uh, weekly youth meeting for ages 12 plus. We will be celebrating the first Tuesday in September. So th- this month our theme is love. So we can we got wide, deep, high, wide. I said that deep. There's four of them. <laughs> Help me out, math teacher. Oh, yeah, wide and deep, high and low. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. And that's from, that's Tuesdays at 6, 6 o'clock. The youth start at 6. Wednesday, Wednesday night refreshing starts at 6.30. Got it. And then um, Saturday is our monthly youth breakfast, and that starts at 9. 
So we have a once a month youth breakfast. That's this Saturday. Nine, nine at nine. How about that? We won't forget this Saturday. Nine, nine at nine. And then um, meet at the square is this Saturday, a new time, 8.45 to 9.15 in the morning. So you can just meet at Palmyra Square for that. As we minister life and light in the name of Jesus to our community through praise, worship on the square, prayer, and presence. We, we, we have a presence there. And so it's, that's good. Okay, I see here before me on these nice papers that that was this week. Next Sunday, September 10th, we're celebrating. Ooh, I like to celebrate, don't you? Woohoo, we're celebrating. Look at this. Congratulations, Pastor Nelson. <laughs> All right. On Friday, Nelson is having his graduation uh, virtually, um, a Bachelor of Bible and Theology that he accomplished with Warrior Notes School of Ministry. So come and celebrate on Sunday with us. (laughs) All right. Women of Victory Enjoying New Life, otherwise known as Woven. We've had a break for the summer, but we're starting up the third Friday of September. And that starts at 6 o'clock. Third Friday, ladies, we have a meal, and then we have a feast. <laughs> Ooh, a feast of God's word. Hallelujah. And then women, that same weekend, the third Sunday, we're having our book club starting up again, and we're going to be discussing Dr. Fiona's newest book, Removing Blind Spots. Blind Spots. We're removing them, and we are having a limitless life. Woo-hoo. All right, so come on out for that, and that's 1232 right here. Anyone's welcome. Anyone is welcome to come. And we've been talking about our new first Inheritance Family Conference that's happening the last weekend of October. Inheritance Family Conference. There's sign-up sheets in the back, ways to participate and in volunteering and bringing, like, physical gifts and sign up to come. It's a triple. And if you do all three, you get a grand slam. (laughs) just got to run around the bases all right okay guys you look like you had a late night (laughs) or else I'm just like really missing it here but I know I'm not missing it it's okay it's okay it's all good you look lovely you're beautiful (laughs) you just were not expecting to be slapped around with announcements But you did great. (laughs) And all the announcements can be found on our website, vcfpa.org. So God bless you.
that's where we were on Friday night. Signature worship team was there, and that was done by Josiah. Good job, Josiah. He wasn't sure how everybody would like it, so he's a little nervous about it. It's nice, Josiah. You did a good job. Your brother complimented you yesterday. I didn't tell you. <laughs> he said, wow, he's getting really good at this. So <laughs> that's a good compliment from Gabe, who does it for uh, as a job. So uh, we had a good time. Let's do the confession first, and then I'll start talking, because if I don't do the confession, we won't do it. I'll just talk till lunchtime. So let's uh, get our confession We like to do a confession here at Victory because we believe the word of God is powerful. And of anybody's words we can say, his words are the ones we want to be talking about. So let's start our confession. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. God the Father selected us as his own before the foundation of the world. He desires for us to be holy, consecrated, set apart for him, and blameless in his sight. The Lord revealed to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. In Christ we have received an inheritance, having been chosen according to his divine purpose, who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. When we heard the true gospel, the good news of our salvation, and believed in Jesus, we were sealed with God's Holy Spirit and protected by him. God made us alive together with Christ. By his grace, we are saved from God's judgment. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. And we do here at Victory. Amen. And uh, one of the benefits we have is to be able to sow into the kingdom of God. And we want to do that. Amen? Amen. So um, at at Victory here, we don't have a certain time where we uh, pass a bucket or anything for offering. But anytime you would like to, during the service, while I'm preaching, you need to stretch or something. Just get up, go ahead, and give your offering. You can do it. Uh, We have a podium to the right, one to the back. And um, we encourage you to sow into God's work. There's a lot going on at Victory at the same time. Pastor Doug, uh, we mentioned he's in India. He just preached four services today. Uh, It is now, it might be 7.30 there now in the evening. And uh, he said the power of God is just, uh, last night, uh, Saturday night, Friday night, the time's a little... Uh, he preached at a church. Um, he said, wow, it was the most radical, like, alive people he's seen. I mean, they were, like, on fire. And so he did an altar call. You know, he preached and he did an altar call just for, like, the people started running up, and there was hardly room in the church. It was over 100-some people. 
And, uh, they, and so he was just touching. They were just like flying back. They were trying to like, baby, ladies were holding their babies and they were just like, so they were trying to catch. He was like, the power of God was all over. They were so hungry and they were receiving. Amen. So that you helped to get Pastor Doug there to touch these people's lives. Amen. And so you always want to remember the things that you are participating in that's bringing results for God on the earth. Never forget it because the devil would like you to forget it. And he wants you to remember the stuff that are chaff that gets blown away with the wind. But you remember the things that affect the souls on this earth. Amen. So, so that's my, that's my thing today about offerings, right? <laughs> Is you know, you know the voice of God and he could tell you what to do. Amen. And uh, we don't do the pressure thing here, but we do tell you that it is appropriate to give. Amen. Well, we've got kids life today. I see some kids in the room. Amen. Let's all of our kids, teachers. All right. So uh, today, I'm actually, when I told Pastor Doug what I was preaching, I spoke to him right before church. He said, wow, that's what I spoke of over here. So we're all in sync here. <laughs> and um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about our experience at um, the Dr. Ben's um, revival services that he was having here. For four days, I believe he was, and so we went on Friday night. Our worship team, Signature Worship, went on Friday nights in Lebanon, uh, the worship, um, Life Center of Lebanon. And uh, the pastors, they were here when uh, Dr. Ben was here with his conference uh, when he used our building. And so we went there, and um, kudos to Josiah, <laughs> because he had to play a drum that was flipped. So all the his drum is to the right everything his drum is there his hands is right-handed but theirs is left-handed so and so the pedal is on the opposite leg you know he's and then all the you know and a lot of these things you know you probably do like out of muscle memory well (laughs) he was doing it and he couldn't hear the monitors he couldn't hear anybody else so he was just relying on me thank god i have a big mouth so he was hearing my natural voice on the stage, not so much the microphone sound. No, none of you guys knew it, right? You were in the audience. <laughs> and, um, and then, of course, part of it, while we were singing, we couldn't hear anything, and then we would hear something, and then we would, you know, it was, it was an experience. But I'll tell you what, the power of God fell in the room. The glory of God was there, and the atmosphere was conducive for God to move. And so when Dr. Ben was able to come up, you know, he could just move right away and flow in the things of God. Now, I just want to say something like when uh, our worship team wasn't always like that. I'll just say that Um, there was a lot of kinks to iron out. But I'll remember the day that God gave the name to us when he told me, call the worship team signature worship. Everything changed. And I'm saying that to say this to you, that if, if there's stuff in your life, like even at work or something, that's like there's no boundaries. It's like it's just out of control and like everybody's doing what they want to do and no, but there's no listening to authority. Ask the Lord if there's a name that you can give that particular 
team or thing that he has. It doesn't have to be made official at your workplace. It's just a name he gives you. And then you declare that name over that team, especially if you end up being the leader of the team. You just say, Lord, I thank you for my team and call the team this. You know, it's just a, a, a key that I discovered that really has helped a lot. And so uh, as, a, as, um, as we move forward, you know, this was the first time that we were invited to sing at another place for, for someone else. And, um, you know, there was a lot of questions of how did you do that? We sang everything in the key of G, by the way. We sang 10 songs in the key of G. <laughs> I put this list together and I don't know what key it's going to come out to be. But, but <laughs> Kelly, she's able to like figure out how, because I don't like to stop. I was going to talk about, I, I don't, when we worship God, I don't want us to stop, reset. Like, <laughs> it just, it grates at me. And so I am not a musician. I can barely read couple notes what they are on the music line. That's what's been happening with me. And, but I know how to flow with the Holy Ghost. Yes. So I like it. So even if the keys are different, we, we find a way to like, you know, cross over with the beautiful, talented team we've got over here. Personally, I don't know how difficult it is that they're doing what they're doing. But hey, I should say, we got to do it this way. <laughs> I know they, we they couldn't hear what you hear if you look online and watch you know Life Center Lebanon saw a little bit of it the first song was like perfect we could hear everything we were just like jamming and I don't know what happened things start moving around and we just couldn't hear. but anyway my point is because we've worked together and our heart is to worship God and to flow when our micro when my microphone went off, I just kept singing the song that we were singing. So I knew because here's the thing: the enemy would love us to break our stride in anything we do, right? So I knew how hard it was for me to get us to this point where we can go from song to song and just worship, right? So I thought to myself, I ain't stopping. I am not stopping. We worshiping God, and He can hear everything I'm saying. Amen. And then when the sound come on for the people, they'll pick right up and come on with us. And that's what we did. And God showed up. We sang 10 songs. Boom. And then we sang with Dr. Ben, who, thank God for Kelly. She picked up that key right there. He's singing songs we don't know. We sang with him. You'd never know it. We went right along. <laughs> and thank God, amen, that we could be a blessing to another person. A church and another location and we were able to speak into the atmosphere while we worship and we believe that God is moving in our city in our county in this state of Pennsylvania and what Josiah showed you was just a tip of what Dr. Ben prophesied over the state of Pennsylvania it's a keystone state it's a it's a major major player in what God wants to do on the east coast with revival, which has been spoken before years ago, but it's coming to a head right now, and we're smack dab middle into it. Amen? So we're in the right place at the right time as a church, as believers of Christ in the state of Pennsylvania, and we want to keep ourselves ready for action. You know, we need to be prepared and ready. We need to be read up with the word of God. We need to be in tune with this voice and the spirit of God. So when he says, get up and move, go, do this, talk to this person, make this phone call, we're not going, is that you, God? <laughs> 
We've already been listening. Amen. So nothing can shake us. We've already been listening. So when God speaks and we can self-correct in motion, if we start walking in the direction and God says, no, go here, we can just boom. We don't have to be like, oh, I'm so terrible. I didn't hear God right the first time. None of that nonsense. Amen. You just move with God. Let him correct you because that's what he's supposed to do. We, we are supposed to listen to him tell us what to do. Right? Not be upset with him because we didn't get, because we, we didn't preempt what we thought he wanted us to do. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, that's not my sermon. I'm just telling. All right. I want to do something different today. I was, when I was sitting there worshiping, it came to me. I'm going to extend this to Ms. Dottie that's in with the kids. So, but I want us, let's lift our hands for a moment. If you pray in tongues, um, you can pray in tongues. But I just want us to pray in this atmosphere for a moment. I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit says. And, and then this is, I've never done this before, but we're going to do it because that's what the Holy Spirit says to do. So, Father, we just thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, just keep praying in tongues. In the name of Jesus, I break off in this atmosphere. I command every pain on everybody to be off of their body right now while they're in this atmosphere, while they're in this service, in this building, they will feel no pain in Jesus' name. I don't care if it was chronic or if it was just they slept on the wrong side of the bed, but every pain in any person's body has to lift off of them right now in the name of Jesus. Any active sickness inside of any body right now at the sound of my voice must be lifted off of them right now in the name of Jesus. In this atmosphere, in this building, it happens right now. We accept nothing less. I command heaviness to go in the name of Jesus. I command any dark attack over the people to move out of here in the name of Jesus. I command the chains of the enemy to be released off of the people in the name of Jesus. This atmosphere is open and clear only for the traffic of the Holy Ghost. Only for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Only for the experience of God's power in our body and to us in this atmosphere. Right now. In the name of Jesus we pray. And Father I pray today as we bring forth the word. That we will hear something we've never heard. See something we've never seen. Get revelation knowledge from heaven like we have never had before. Thank you, Lord, for your open heavens and your word. And the Holy Spirit is the only authorized voice to speak in this room today. In the na- Every other voice has to shut up. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. So you should be pain-free while you're here. If you like it, you can keep it. That's what the Lord said. Listen to me. Sometimes the devil could attack you for so long that you forgot what normal felt like. 
Like you forgot what it feel like not to have that pain or not to feel that sick or not to feel weak or whatever. But while you're here today, while I'm preaching, nothing else is happening, but you are alert, you are awake, and you're able to receive from the voice of God because the pain has to go. It's not even going to be a thought in your head. Amen? Amen. You can receive it or you can reject it, but I'm not accepting it. So I've already told her what to do. You decide what you want to do about that. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, my message today is entitled... How to walk in your authority in Christ with wisdom. This is the key part of the message, with wisdom, right? So how to walk in your authority in Christ with wisdom. They say about people in Bible school that when you come the first year, please don't leave because you're really dangerous because you know a little bit. And then you go out there and (laughs) you get beat up pretty bad. And I know that here as a church, we teach you that you have authority, right? You know that you have authority in Christ. You know that you're the head and not the tail. You know you're above and not beneath, right? But if you don't know how to utilize it properly, you can get beat up. And then the purpose of getting beat up is to let you know that you really are not. So then you question whether you have authority over the devil. Or whether you deserve whatever is happening. Right? So I just want to tell you right away that you do have authority over the devil because of Jesus, not because of how good you are. That's the first thing you got to know. The second thing is, if you do mess up, right? If you do sin, forget mess up. If you sin, you repent. (laughs) Right? There's the solution. There's no other solution. If you are making excuses about what you did and all that, that's still not a solution. Until you repent, the sin is still against your name. When you repent, the sin gets removed, right? So the devil wants to keep you justifying everything and analyzing it and beating yourself up and deciding what is it that you should have done better before you repent. The first thing you must do is repent so the thing isn't held against you. You understand what I'm saying? So that's probably the first key of wisdom right there that, you might not have thought of. You, you don't have to punish yourself for what you did. There's already consequences set in place. You probably already had those consequences 50 times. Right? But the devil wants you to feel empowered to do something. So he's, he's giving you this, this feedback to have you empower yourself against yourself. All of your authority and power should be used against the enemy, not against yourself. You should just say, God, I, I repent. Forgive me. Remove this from me. You remember David said, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way. Actually, we sang about to do. All the songs were perfect, by the way. They had no idea what we were going to talk about today. Uh, the first song Abby and Devon wrote during um, youth. So that's heartfelt worship band song. And then the third song was written by Gabe when he was 16. Gabriel, our son, uh, our oldest son, I was thinking, man, he wrote that song at 16. That's pretty good. <laughs> He's written several since, but he hasn't uh, put them out as yet. But, um, but again, my point is, why did I say all that? Because they sang the perfect songs, right? So the atmosphere has been spoken into concerning the subject matter we're talking about. Do you see how the Holy Spirit works? They had no idea what I was going to preach about. 
You see how God works? So we are able to hear the voice of God. Every time something like this happens in your life, don't be like, oh, that's so cool. Be like, thank you, Lord. I can hear your voice. I can hear. Reinforce it for your own life. Let your voice hear you say, I can hear God. Okay, don't talk about other people who heard God and then you're always feeling like other people can hear God and you can't hear God. That's what ends up happening. If you're always talking about other people's big feet and you're not talking about your own to yourself by giving God thanksgiving that, that he was able to do that through you and you listen, then you don't have any records for your own self to fall back on to say, oh, I remember when God asked me to do this, so now that he's asking me to do this, I can do it. That's what Abraham did, isn't it? When Abraham was told he's going to have this son, he remembered the faithfulness of God, right? But if he wasn't keeping keeping tabs of the goodness and the faithfulness of God, then there was nothing to remember. He would have remembered what God did for somebody else. But there's a difference when you remember what God did for you. Amen? Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, which was already shed, and the word of our testimony, which is what we bring to the table. Amen? First scripture, Proverbs 4, 7. Proverbs 4, 7. Yesterday I had a chat, four and a half hours it's funny, that's what I call a chat. Four and a half hours of talking with the kids at Blessed Children Home Orphanage. And I still didn't get to talk to all of them. I have a few more to talk to today, but they start school on Monday. So uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to be the voice to speak in their heads before they entered the building of their schools. And um, I was teaching the older kids about intrinsic motivation. And they had never heard that word before. I said, let's I put up the whiteboard, you know, definition, explain to them. They were like, ah. Oh. So they're going back with themselves doing things apart from what out external motivations they, they can use to do it. That intrinsic motivation is when you can internally motivate yourself apart from external stimulation. So all the deadlines and stuff. I said, you don't have to go by the deadlines to do projects. You can internally say, I want to be the best. I want to do my best, and that's my brand that I'm giving to the world. So when they say my name, they, they, um, they identify me with this behavior. So they got it. That was good. I was like, yes, we're going to – our slogan is uh, champions fulfilling their purpose. So I'm, I'm teaching them what champions do. Yeah, yeah. They get up in the morning and run when everybody else is in bed. If you look at Olympic champions, they train for four years and they get beat by a second. Like it's, it's a thin line between winning and losing. So, and they still do it the next four years. They still train for four more years to get another shot at it. That's what a champion will do. You see, they think differently. So anyway, that's a little side note. I did all that before I started planning our message. Because again, I had these messages planned way ahead, but God has different ideas. <laughs> so you're going to know today... When to use your authority, which you already have, if you're a born-again believer. But you've got to know when to use it. So Proverbs 4, 7 says, um, I'm using the uh, Amplified, by the way, guys. forgot to say that part. But either way, the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. I mean, that's the beginning of wisdom. You've got to get it, right? 
skillful and godly wisdom. It tells you what kind of wisdom. For skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. And with all you have gotten, get understanding, which is discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Right? So, (laughs) you can know how to do a thing, right? But if you don't know why it's being done, you could never lead that thing being done. Because you don't know why. This is the difference between a leader and somebody who is doing a skill labor. This is why you find the leader of skilled laborers may not even be able to do the skill, but they're leading the people who can do all the work. So because a true leader, the way you get promoted in God's kingdom is you should know the why something's being done, not just how to do it. So you should know, and the why gives the vision of the thing. So you, so you, may, so you may have 10 people in, in a team, and each of them are doing a certain thing. As the leader, you should know what each part is doing and what picture they're painting. So if somebody is out of line with the vision, you can quickly capture that, that particular thing and not mess up the entire work of what everybody else is doing. Now, how does this relate to the authority of Christ? I'm telling you about the wisdom of God because if you're not careful, you could know that you have authority. You could, you know, I can can cast demons out. I could tell the devil where to go. But you could do it at the wrong time in the wrong place. And Jesus did not allow demons to dictate what he did. When he showed up to places and they would start speaking out, are you here to torment us? He would say, shut up. That's a phrase he used a lot for demons. You got to read the gospel is full of drama. (laughs) Lots of drama in the gospel. So the principal thing for our lives is that we get wisdom. And when we get wisdom, that's just the principal thing. That is just the baseline starting point. Okay? But we have to get understanding. And then the understanding gives us the principle of what's going on. I always ask why questions. When I was a little girl, I still have images in my head. I would have been about two years old. Yes, I remember things from being one year old and two year old. I have no idea why, but I do. I was about two years old. My dad had a little red bug car. Like, the bugs have been around for a while. And, I w- and they did have no seatbelt laws in Guyana. And so I would be standing in the back behind my dad's driver's seat. I don't know if you remember this, Grace. Yeah, well, you would have been younger. So I was <laughs> stand behind dad, hold on to his seat and go, every single thing we pass on the road, I would be, why is that? Why is that? I mean, and my dad would answer everything. And after a while, he'd go, Fiona, if you could just sit down. <laughs> he said, if you sit down and you just take, look at it and think about the questions you have in your head, and when we go home, I'll answer all your questions. Because <laughs> imagine you have this two-year-old behind your head, uh, in your ear going, Daddy, Daddy, why, why, why? 
That was me. And so as I got older, my questions became a little bit more sophisticated, but they were always associated with the question, why? Why is this happening? Why did that, you know, why did they do that? I wonder why this is set up that way. When you ask why, then you are now, you're now looking at it from a discerning point of view. Okay? Now, as a believer, we have an upper edge, like a way upper edge. (laughs) Because we have the wisdom of God that is available to us. If you are in the company of people who don't know God, and you know God, and you're not coming up with better solutions, you have not tapped into God's wisdom. You are using the wisdom of the world, which goes by experience and by training. But if you have the wisdom of God, he will give you answers for things that they, never, they couldn't even ask a question about. That's when you know you have the upper edge. That's when you know you're, you're coming into the wisdom of God. Let's go to James chapter 1 and verse 5. Are you, did you learn something so far? Yes, yes. Good, amen? Yes. It's only 11. We're good. We're doing good. This is great. I noticed our woven is from 6 to 8.30. And I realized, you know, after 6.30, we're pretty much, I'm talking. And I went, oh, I teach for two hours at woven? That's crazy. I have to refine some things over there. <laughs> Okay, James chapter uh, 1 of verse 5, it says, If any of you is deficient in wisdom, there's a solution. Let him ask of the giving God. This is what the Amplified says. Who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly, without reproach, reproaching or fault finding, and it will be given him. So the wisdom of God is not based on a caste system. The wisdom of God is available to anyone that asks. Do you see? If you can ask, you can have it. This is what God said. He didn't say if you're in a certain position, if you're called to the fivefold ministry, if you've been saved 262 and a half days, you know what I'm saying? He said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who We already know God freely gives. Don't we know this already? He gave us salvation. How much could we pay for salvation? I mean, how many mountains could we climb? How many uh, valleys could we like, you know, oh, the rain's coming. You know, whatever, we get in a flood. No, we didn't have to do any of that. It was given to us freely. And we had to receive it freely. In order for us to have it. Well, the same principle applies to the wisdom of God. There should be no problem in your life that has you baffled. When you have access to the wisdom of God. You should know things that would take people years to learn and figure out. Because you have access to the wisdom of God. When we, when, we, uh, when we were talking on Wednesday about getting rid of stale air, that's a message you should listen to if you weren't here. Um, and, 
and we were talking, and I was discussing in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit fell, and the people started speaking languages they never learned, right? So it was, and it was not a language they knew within themselves, within the group of 120 either, it seems. They had, and I was joking that they probably left the room just so they could find, figure out what's going on because they can't talk to each other. They don't know what the other person's saying either. And when they go out, they find out that these people are, they're like, you're talking our language? <laughs> That's a supernatural thing. It would have taken them years to learn at the level that they spoke it that made those people so astonished. This wasn't just they were picking up a few words here and there. They were fluently speaking the language of the people who had come from all over the world. You got to go back in Acts chapter 2 and read. I mean, it's amazing. In the upper room, they were up there. And here's the thing. They were up there. Let's say they were up there for 50 days. While they were up there, they weren't getting language lessons. You know what I'm saying? They weren't practicing how to approach someone when you want to witness. They really weren't. There was no witnessing lessons. There were no language lessons. <laughs> they were just drunk. I mean, they, <laughs> you know, the proper conduct of a witness. They were drunk. And they were like, they looked drunk because they were being accused of being drunk. They behave like drunk people in the morning. And they're going out there. I, I mean, it's got to be crazy. They probably look bewildered too because they don't know what's going on. Some gift, like, wow. And what the gift did, <laughs> people from all over the world were there. It, speaking their different language, 3,000 people came to become believers. Right there. Right there. So the wisdom of God could operate at that same level in our life. I'm comparing the two because there are things you can know. We, we see in the Bible where Daniel, Joseph, all these men, they operated at levels of wisdom that was recognizable as God's wisdom because the other gods couldn't even touch it. Right? The people who worshiped the other gods, they couldn't, they always go to them first. Isn't that funny? So, <laughs> they always go to them first. Here is a key to Christian behavior humility. When they finally come to you, you don't go, yeah, finally you come to me. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's pride. And guess what wisdom you're pulling on? You're scraping for anything from God because he does not support pride. Okay? So when they come, don't even give an account that they didn't even come and ask you first. They, they shouldn't. This is, how you could, this is how you could show the vast difference between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. They should go to everybody else first. Get a good sampling of what's not available. <laughs> so when they come to you, God can really look good. Amen? Amen? This is everything you do as a believer should reflect the brand of God, yes. which is above everything else. Yes. If you put it as a God brand, not I'm so great brand, yes. that will make a difference. And you will want to participate. The reason that you don't do a lot more for God, most likely, now I'm just putting words in your mouth, 
it's because you probably judge other people that you think are doing it pridefully. So you don't want to be like them. But you don't realize that's what's happening. So you hold yourself back. But if you drop all the judgment, because you weren't get, there's no fivefold ministry called judge. That's just one of we judge fruit. We judge the spirit by which someone's operating, right? But we don't judge the person themselves as to why they're doing that. We judge the results that they're producing. When I when I look at my staff, when I look at staff and people that I, I have authority over in the natural. I judge the fruit that they produce to make a difference, to make a decision. I don't judge everybody else's um, row with them. You know, like if somebody doesn't like them or somebody thinks they're this or whatever. I, I look at what has been produced and I make my decision based on that. What I have discovered is whenever I fire someone that was a narcissist or that is a narcissist, they, um, <laughs> I'm always doing it because of things, evidence that I found, because I always look for fruit. But they always confess to things they were doing that I didn't know they were doing. And they always do it saying, that person probably told you I did this, this, and this, but they're lying. I go, oh, and then I start investigating to see if they were doing the things they said that people said they were doing. They always tell on themselves. The devil will always tell on himself. Because he wants to keep you engaged in conversation, so you give him a second chance. God never gave him a second chance. You understand? We were created in God's image. He's trying to get us to give him a second chance. Don't give him a second chance. If God didn't give him a second chance, you would be, you would be operating like you're greater than God by giving him a second chance. All right. Are you with me still? Yes, yes. Listen, I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm giving you tough stuff you can use. Yes. Amen? Amen? I have to tell myself I'm not here to beat people up because I do sound that way sometimes. <laughs> James chapter 1. I just want to look some more at this. James chapter 1. Let's stay in that scripture. Um, and we see in verse 6. Okay, so verse 5, we're told to ask. Verse 6, but we must ask for wisdom in faith. Here's the faith principle. Without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways and everything he thinks, feels, or decides. So here's the thing. If your brand is double-mindedness, you get nothing. That's what this is saying. So you have to... Start creating a brand, if you don't already have it, in you as a God person, as a person that believes God, that has the God living in, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You have to start creating a brand for your life that is not double-minded. And let me give you some practical ways that you could do that. When you go to the restaurant, pick a meal and stick with it. 
That's a good way to do it. To get, what you're doing is you're untraining bad habits. A lot of double-mindedness comes from needing other people to verify your decision. You can't walk in the authority of Christ at a potent level needing somebody else to validate what you just told the devil. <laughs> a lot of times when you have to rebuke him, nobody else is there. You better do what you got to do. You understand what I'm saying? So if you have a habit of needing somebody to validate or to verify a decision you're making, you have created a va- uh, uh, you've created a habit in your life that you, if you made a decision by yourself, it will feel wrong. It will feel, and you know why it feels wrong? Because you don't think you qualify to make it. So, and then, and then, the devil sets it up so you feel stupid if your decision didn't work. Your decision will work if you weren't double-minded about it. This is the secret you have to understand. It's when you're double-minded that nothing happens. You don't get anything. And the devil will make you feel like you didn't get anything because there was nobody that agreed with you. (laughs) Okay? You know how many decisions I've made for my life where there was nobody there? (laughs) It was me and the Holy Ghost agreeing, and it worked out every time. They turned out to be some of the best decisions I've made. When other people get involved in your decisions, a whole bunch of nonsense could happen. (laughs) Because when God gives you an instruction, it comes self-fulfilling so the whole package if you just take the package it has faith in there it has an unction from the holy ghost there's an anointing for completion everything you need is in the instruction if you just said yes did mary have to consult anybody else before she said yes to giving birth to jesus it was it was you talk about my body my womb yeah (laughs) there's a story for you She accepted, and she wasn't some 25-year-old, 30-year-old woman. She was a young girl. And she didn't go ask her mommy and daddy if she should do that because, you know, I'm about to get married to Joseph. What's the family going to say? No. Do you see? But the Bible said that God, uh, God found favor. She was favorable to God. I can guarantee you this girl might have, might have had a track record of obeying God before. Her brand, when God looked at her brand, he saw single-minded right there. He saw this girl can make her own decision right there. Then we got Zechariah happened before. The priest. I mean, that's just like, wow. You talk about caste system. See well, how it doesn't matter your position. But you can make a mistake. You can, you can miss God <laughs> even in one of the highest positions. It is your will that decides. Your will. You, nobody can control your will. You have to make up your own will, your own mind about what it is that you will accept or reject. Amen? Uh, then verse 9, Let the brother in humble circumstances glory in his high position, as a born again. So see, it doesn't matter what your position on earth is. You also have a position in Christ. If you compare your position in Christ 
to your position and accomplishments on the earth system, you are putting yourself in a position to become a double-minded believer because you are experiencing something different in the world system than your qualifications could be in the spiritual system, in God's supernatural spiritual system. Like what earth qualifications do you need to have somebody who was supposed to have surgery be completely healed and they don't have to have surgery? You'd have to be a surgeon, right? Like if you fix a, a, a problem that a surgeon would fix, how many years of school do you have to go for that? A lot. <laughs> and a lot of money, right? But what if you're a believer and the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? And as a believer that's probably a janitor somewhere or, or something else, you go lay hands on, on the sick person, the same person that the surgeon was about to operate on, and they recovered completely and you never went to surgery school. You see? You see how the kingdom of God works? It's God that wants to operate these things on the earth. He needs humans to do it through. Right? We're the humans. If we accept salvation, we're in his kingdom now. You might as well go to work. (laughs) You know? Amen. It's a little quiet in here today. (laughs) Okay, let's go to Matthew 28. 18 to 20. Matthew 28, 18, 20. I'm going to find it myself here. And it says, Jesus came up and said to them, All authority... That means all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus talking. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. So if you're a person that's afraid to make decisions because you feel like you're by yourself, read that over and over again and understand that this power was authorized by the one who has all power, who's been given all power. His name is Jesus. And he said, that you should do what you're about to do. Okay? And he is agreeing with it. You understand? So you have to know where your power comes from. It doesn't come from some weak source that dries up if you don't use it in five seconds. (laughs) We're talking power that is unlimited and can be accessed anytime, anywhere. For all circumstances. This is our, this is where we get strength from. This is who we get our strength from. It's from God. It's not from a bunch of knowledge. We can have knowledge, but we still need God. You can't override God's power and go with the, with the other knowledge. You work, it works together. You understand? This is where wisdom comes in. Wisdom says you don't eat half a cow in one city. Okay? 
But religion may say you're not allowed to eat the cow at all. You see the difference? So let's say you say, well, I can eat. God says I can eat the cow. Well, I mean, we call it beef for, for, to make it sound better. But you're eating the cow. And so <laughs> God says you can eat anything, right? But wisdom will tell you how much of the thing you should eat. Do you see, do you see how this works? Right? So we don't go around and say, God told me I have authority over you and blah, 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 blah. No, wisdom may tell you, you don't really want to do that right now. <laughs> right? Because there's also a timing element with using authority. You understand? Now, you may hear about what the ideal marriage should be like, right? You come to VCF, you like how Pastor Doug and Fiona get along together. You're just like, I just want a marriage like that. You have no idea how we got there. Pastor Doug and I can tell you how we got there. There was a lot of loud speaking, and I'm not doing that, thank you very much, that happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if we had left each other at the, I'm not doing that, I don't think so, you wouldn't have had the picture to see that you see today, right? So it would have been a lack of wisdom for either of us to walk out of the relationship because we weren't in sync with the knowledge we had of God, with our, because, I mean, I'm coming from a whole different country. He was born and bred. I always tell him he was of the yuppie group. <laughs> Back in the 80s, I guess they used to call him, the, I don't know, whatever. But, and he would tell me, you know, these vacations they went on and all this. And I started telling him, when you're telling stories, hi, my love, I'm sure he's watching. When you're telling stories of where you went in the world, you know, like, when I went to Fiji, and when I uh, remember to say to the people that this is before I was married. Because I didn't go to those places. And it could sound like I was there too, you know. We had this experience. I'm like, I don't know what, what these places look like. But what I'm saying is, listen, before you make big moves, you want to listen to the Holy Spirit, who is our wisdom. And you want to ask him for the timing of these things. Because if you get the timing wrong, you could end up exposed and then you're in a worse position yes it may have been the right time to leave Uh, yes it may have been the right thing to do to leave but no it may be the wrong time here's the thing there are seasons right so somebody if you if, if if god had been quickening somebody to help you to leave a situation right and you didn't make a decision you were double-minded. You didn't make a decision. And you didn't do it. And then you realize that you missed it. So you decide, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it now. That's a wrong thing to do. This is what happened to, with, with the children of Israel. Do you remember that story? The children of Israel, when they had the ten spies, right? They went out and all that, and they were grumbling, complaining. And then Moses got mad. Yeah, he got mad, right? And remember, he was mad. And then they go, okay, 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 Moses. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to go. And he said, no. But they didn't listen. This was the problem. (laughs) They didn't listen to what God was saying. God's instructions have timing with it. Okay? It has, it's a major part of an instruction. It has a timing element. So they didn't listen to Moses and they gathered themselves a little army to go and fight to get, I mean, crazy. They got whooped. Do you understand what I'm saying? Were they supposed to have the promised land? Yes. But they did not do it in the right 
timing. And hence, they, they failed, right? So, you, so this is where the wisdom element comes in. You need to know why. You need to ask the Holy Spirit the why questions, not questioning your ability to do it or should you do it or, you know, just say, uh, Mary said, how? How shall this be? And the angel explained it to her. You see? So now she can connect with what's happening in her body. She understands that the way that she got pregnant was where the Holy Spirit impregnated her with the word. Do you understand? So it, those are valid, legitimate questions to ask versus how's that going to be? I'm so old, Zachariah, you know. The thing he'd been praying for for years finally shows up. He's like, huh. so his mouth got shut. <laughs> and his wife fulfilled, you know, the word. So, so we have the authority from Jesus. The name of Jesus is our authority. Okay? Now, Jesus' name has been already spoken all over this earth. It is, the earth knows Jesus' name. Every single molecule on the planet, as a matter of fact, not just the planet, the universe. Right? Because the Bible says in heaven, in earth, and other places, it says under the everywhere, he's the greatest name ever. Right? So we know to have fear when we use the name of Jesus is to use it incorrectly because God doesn't have a spirit of fear. So if a spirit of fear is leading our use of the name of Jesus, then we got a problem. Okay? You know how people like to tell kids, well, when you're afraid, you just pray to Jesus. You just pray. No, tell the kid when you're afraid, rebuke it. Tell the spirit of fear to go in Jesus' name. That's what we tell Josiah. That's what we told Gabe. When Josiah was like afraid, at some, at little, when he was a little age, he would be afraid to go down the steps because it was dark downstairs. And, and Pastor Doug said, okay, Josiah, here's what we do with fear. We say, I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I rebuke fear. I rebuke fear in Jesus' name. And so he'd be going down the steps going, I rebuke fear in Jesus' name. I rebuke fear in Jesus' name. All to today, this time in his life, he goes, I rebuke fear in Jesus. I hear him whispering under his breath when he has to do something that he's never done or is new. I rebuke fear in Jesus. That's what you teach the child to do. You rebuke the spirit of fear. You don't go, oh, dear Jesus, I'm afraid. Help me with my fear. Where's that prayer in the Bible? Okay? Because you have to clear the room of the influence of your decisions. Fear should not be in the room when you're making a decision. A lot of people, you hear them preach. I told Pastor Doug, I hope you never preach this because if you do, you better correct it. (laughs) Do it afraid. That was a big slogan in the Christian community for a while. They had t-shirts that said, do it afraid. (laughs) You won't see me wearing that. I ain't doing nothing afraid. Fear isn't going to be my best friend while I'm trying to accomplish exploits. That's saying like you and fear are going for a ride and you're going to do it afraid. In spite, you brought fear along, but you say in spite of fear, I'm still going to do it. What kind of nonsense is this? Think about it. <laughs> Think about physically going to a location that you didn't want somebody at, right, with you. That was bad English. That you did not want someone to come with you. 
And you decide, you're bringing them along. You don't like them, you don't want them there, you don't like them, but you're bringing them. And then you're there and you're going, you know what? I don't want them to be here. I don't like them or anything, but I'm still going to do it even though they're here. Well, you brought them. <laughs> you, see, you see how crazy that looks? Well, this is what fear, this is, like when, <laughs> are you bringing fear along so you feel more comfortable, closer to the thing God asked you to do so, he, so fear can see what you could really do? Isn't that what you're really saying? I'm going to show fear what I can do. What? Fear already knows what God can do. It's you that has a problem. You don't know what God can do, apparently. (laughs) Do you see how this is? When you think this way, this is what it really translates to. I'm the translator today. I'm your behavior translator. (laughs) Right? So, So these phrases have been planted in the atmosphere of our culture. And people give people thumbs up with uh, faith over fear. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> First Peter 2 9. I, I am not bashing you. I'm helping you. You understand me? Okay? I'm helping you. Throw that nonsense out of your life. Like, it's not real. It's, it's God. Like, fear doesn't need to be anywhere. <laughs> Like, what has fear helped with? Like, what ability does fear have that you can use? The only thing that fear has that we can use is called an excuse. Do you remember when, uh, Jesus, when God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? They were hiding behind a tree. Why? What's the excuse? We were afraid. Fear, the only position fear can have in your life is an excuse. To not do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. That's it. Oh, it's pretty quiet. You guys okay? All right. First Peter 2.9. Let me show you why you can tell fear to go. First Peter 2.9. Besides the other verse, I wrote a whole book about fear, by the way, being fearless. Yeah. I didn't write a book about fear. I wrote a book about how to kick it out. First yeah, right. <laughs> Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You're only peculiar because the atmosphere has been set up with a bunch of dumb, dumb stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So to everybody else, you just look weird. Yeah, be as weird as you can be. <laughs> okay? That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. God called us out of darkness. Fear is like 100% darkness. There is no light in fear. So the closer you get fear to you, the more darkness you're bringing into the situation. Into his marvelous light. When light shows up, everything else has to shut down. If you could get this. You can speak light. It's what God did first. 
You speak light, darkness has to go. And, and we have this authority to do this because of our position. We're royalty. We're actual royalty. In kingdom language, we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are peculiar because there's not much people like that. As a matter of fact, on the earth at the same time, as far as the living humans on earth, there's always a lower percentage of Christians than there are non-Christians, right? I mean, that's just what it's been. Which, back in the day of Noah, there was eight of them. Out of billions. Think about this. And God still won. <laughs> Have you ever sit to think about the wins of God? How many wins? He's never failed. Like, this isn't just a phrase we use. He literally, God has literally never, ever failed. And he's not going to. Because the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same, his brand is win. (laughs) He doesn't have a lick of failure in his name. It's not possible for him to fail. So isn't that the person we hook up with? And we have been authorized to do so. This is what I don't understand. Why would we drop such a high authorization to feel comfortable with the lower level demons? All right. And we have, I'm going to read one to you, John 14, 12. Oh, this is. Let's put that one up, John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, he, he who believes in me, again, believing God over everything else. Yes. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Like, have you ever seen a vision of yourself doing greater works than Jesus did? The first thing that has to happen is you got to go find out what Jesus did. (laughs) So you can know if you're doing greater works or not. And you've got to humbly accept the responsibility You will hold yourself back if you think that you think you're being better than Jesus if you do greater works than him. That's pride thinking that way. To think that you can do greater works than what Jesus did is humility because you're accepting what Jesus said we should do. That's what humility is. A humble person will only look proud to the devil. So people who who support the devil and his agenda of fear, condemnation, we're not good enough, they will look at a humble person in the kingdom who's actually doing textbook Bible humility as a proud person. Because that person has boldness. They rebuke fear. They speak to things. They say, no, that's not happening. They say, yes, I can do that. Think about that one. That's one big one. Yes, I can do that. That's like, who does she think she is? Well, you don't even want to start. You you can't think who I think I am. (laughs) You obviously haven't thought in that realm yet to ask the question. Do you understand? 
So if you find yourself judging bold Christian people, stop and ask why. I did this for a young lady 13 years ago because I had just found out I was pregnant with Josiah when I was coaching with her. No, so it would have been 12 years ago because he's 11. And this young lady was sitting in my office and she wanted to be missionary. But her plan was, her plan would have taken eight years, right, to even go to the mission field. Because she was going to do this job and buy this thing and do this. I mean, she had this like whole plot. I looked at her and I said, well, why are you not involving other people? Give them the opportunity to help you do this mission. Oh, I said, ah, don't even say a word. I know what it is. You're too proud. You judge other people that raise funds for missions. You judge them. That's what your problem is. Imagine paying me money to tell you that. She paid me money to tell her that. So she said, oh, that just hurts my heart. Wow. I said, yeah, let it, let's get it out. So here's what, okay, today, okay, she went to the mission field, did the mission, came, went, got to be on staff with the school she went to in the mission field, came back, married the guy she had dumped, which I told her, I think that's your guy. Let's talk about what the problem is. Yep, married the dude. She has two or three kids right now. They are like five, six, seven years old. So this was 12 years ago. So imagine how quick she got everything done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the rate she was going, do you see how the devil can delay you your timing gets off when the devil gets involved. That's what happens. With the wisdom of God, things happen like that. With, when the devil is interfering, it stops things, it kills things, it slows it down. You're like dragging through life. You're like lifeless. You barely, you have no vision at all whatsoever for what's going to happen next. You're just living. The devil has you from one problem to the next. Your whole life is involved in solving the same problem. That's when you're living in the fear zone. That's when you're living under the direction of fear, condemnation. I don't know what. I don't know when. There's no wisdom of God involved. But that's not who you were designed to be. We have access to 100% wisdom. Do we not, church? We, we, royalty, don't be ashamed to be royal. Shame is, why would God do everything he did to bring us into his, he is the king of kings. Of course, if we're in his family, we're going to be royalty. He's a king. <laughs> we can't separate the two. We can't be, I'm the peasant of the family. There is no such position. <laughs> Even if you were a toe in the body of Christ, it's a royal toe. <laughs> because the head of the body is king. He's king of kings, so your toe is still royal. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? You don't find a king who all his body parts are royal, but you know his toes, each of them are like a, a caste system. This is the lower caste. This little piggy went to market. That's a, yeah. <laughs> we are royal no matter what our position is in the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are part of the royalty of God. Our head sits in the throne. That's why he says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Yeah. We're not decapitated. <laughs> right. Amen? Yeah. 
I mean, even your imagination needs to be cleansed. Think about it. These things that God describes about who we are, we have to imagine this a lot, right? You have to imagine what it would look like. But your imagination could be just hindered by what images have been planted about certain things. So you have to cleanse your imagination so that you can think clearly. Let God give you dreams and visions. Why the Bible says he, can give us, he gives us dreams and visions. Let him give it to you. And don't wake up and go, oh, it's the craziest thing. And then just shove it off. Right? What? I saw what time it was. You guys okay? All right. I'm going to... Um, First Corinthians, you write these down there and go read them. This is what we're going to do. First Corinthians twelve thirteen. Just write it down. For by one spirit are we all baptized in one body. Jesus ain't got multiple personalities, folks. <laughs> whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. We have to know that God has given these things to us. Your price for this thing is Jesus, be my Savior, come into my life. And be my Lord. It is the yielding of your will to God. That's the price we pay. That's it. All the other payments for this thing have been made by Jesus. We are not on some installment plan. <laughs> like Jesus be like, I'm paying this portion. And then as people are birthed on the earth and they become born again, like they say they receive me and they come into my kingdom you can charge them this much. They have to do penance at this level. It depends. No! <laughs> when we receive, we, everything's free and clear. And while you're in the kingdom, if you sin, you repent. Don't think about your sin. Think about your repentance. And then ask for wisdom so you don't get trapped again. So you don't behave stupid again. This is just, wisdom will take care of it. Do you understand? Isn't this so easy? I don't know. To me, I'm like, this is like, should I even teach it? But yeah. So the scripture about God has not given us a spirit of fear. You can write this down. 2 Timothy 1.7. For he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind when you are double-minded there's none about your mind that's sound honey you couldn't build a building on that mind because it's wobbly (laughs) okay so this is why things aren't happening because you can't build on double-mindedness there's no there's no building material in the kingdom that could accommodate that type of a mind because It'll fall. You have to be single-minded about what you want. When I was, you know, finishing up my doctorate, you all know the story, but I love telling it because it's up in the devil's face. You know, I, I mean, you're talking a year's worth of work. I had to get done in eight weeks. 
but four of the weeks I was hunting for a company to do it with. So I really had to finish this thing in four weeks. And I, I kept saying, oh, no, 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 no. This girl is graduating on May 6th. When, when I graduate, when I walk the stage, I would have completed all the work necessary. As a matter of fact, not only am I completing the work, but I will actually have the degree in my possession. This is what I said. So what happens? Yeah, it happens. But while you're doing it, you have to keep saying it because there were opportunities that came up that said, listen, you've pretty much done a lot. I mean, you've done a lot. You're going to have to find a new company. We have to approve it, everything else. We're okay with you walking and finishing up the actual study portion. You can have up to a year. No, I am not giving you up to a year. It's not that I can have up to a year. I still will have a year. It's my life. I'll still have a year. But I'm not giving you a year of my life for this degree. That's how it comes down to it. Do you understand? So that's off the table. <laughs> so the same chair I was working with, that him and I had a huge argument in the beginning of things, escalated all the way to the chair of the department. Um, he went to bat for me like nobody's business because he said to me, look, I've seen your work. I know what you can do. I'm just going to, we're going to put this through. We're going to put this. I said, sounds good to me. That all sounds good to me. <laughs> and started communicating with me in real time. Now they have six days to get back to you for one thing. And instead I was getting communication within the hour. Yes. This is how, this is when you decide this is what's happening. It starts happening. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? And it doesn't matter what it looks like. You say this is what is happening, right? Now, here's a caution. The devil wants you to use that power for his stuff. So he wants, and that's called stubbornness. When we, when we are standing on the authority of God about something, we're not doing it stubbornly. Get it straight. We're doing it with authority. The reason I was saying this was because God told me to do this degree and the plan was I would graduate at that date. So the plan of God for me for that thing was that this happens at this time. Why? Because I was already 18 years late. So I wasn't going to extend to another year. Uh-uh. So I knew I'm getting this thing done. Like I would have done it faster if it was possible. They just didn't have the classes ready. I would have been like, let's go. Right? So you see how I got everything done. But at the end, you know, the devil, always, he wants to come in. I don't know why he even bothers, but, but this was, this was like an impossible thing. Like, I mean, who, this was like, I was even thinking like, my God, I'm, I don't care. I don't care what's happening. It's happening. I kept saying it. Do you understand? I kept saying it. So whenever a thought would come in, otherwise you got to say something. You got to say something. Don't think something, say something. This is how you eliminate double-mindedness. You don't think it, you say the thing. The single thing you want, keep saying it. Yes. You see? Yes. So, I, all right. I have more to tell you, but the time is out. So let me give you the references and you can look. Peter, in uh, John chapter 18 and verse 10, when he cut off the guy's ear when they came to get Jesus. That was not wisdom. <laughs> it was wrong timing. He had authority. 
He was using it, baby. We're going to get this under control. But, right? And then the other one was Paul uh, in Acts chapter 16 and 16. That, that young girl that was walking behind him and going, these are the servants of the Most High God. These are the servants, right? And she was just saying that over and over again. And she was operating through sorcery. She had uh, handlers, like a lot of people today in leadership positions. She had, <laughs> over the world and its places. She had handlers, you know. The handlers are always hiding, by the way. So she, um, and she would come out the spirit, you know, the activated spirit. And blah, 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 blah. Now notice, Paul did not do anything about it until after he was finished doing ministry. Because as soon as he did something about it, they arrested him, they did all this stuff, da 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 right? So this is why I'm telling you, your authority must be used with the wisdom of God, which is managed and controlled by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, right? So Paul discerned it and did something about it at the right time. So there's an example of proper timing, right, that you can study out. Now, I want to talk to you, I want to caution you, one of the reasons why I'm preaching this is, if you are married and your relationship is bad, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to what you need to do. It, be careful with people around you telling you to get a divorce. That, that is, could be worldly wisdom. Okay? When somebody's trying to convince you to do something, they will listen to your sob story and support it because they feel for you. But to truly um, give input, Proverbs tells you, tells you, don't just listen to one side of a matter. You have to listen to both. It's wisdom to listen to both sides of a matter. And here's why. You may very well know that everything you can see, even from the other person, is that they are this, they're that. But there are records to be kept for decisions that we make. And the, I always say, when I make a decision or when I do something, people may not know behind the scenes what I did or why I did it. They may judge me wrongfully, but I always make sure that the records of heaven are accurately registering that I did the proper protocol that God would want. Right? So I have fulfilled the thing that needs to happen. If the records were pulled up about this matter, there, were, there was actually proper evidence introduced. There was proper arguments made from both sides in heaven. Okay, because heaven has its court system too, right? So there are times when you do need to get out of a marriage really quickly, but if you didn't do it when people were telling you to or the Holy Spirit was empowering people to do it and you're trying to do it now, you could be wrong. You could be hurting yourself, Okay. So you want to ask the Holy Spirit for mercy so he can get you back to the place where if, you're, if you would like to and you need to, you can get out properly, okay, so without hurting yourself, without hurting other people, et cetera, et cetera, right? And you repent. Repent for missing it. If I miss something, when the Lord told me I was supposed to have my doctorate 18 years prior to when I started it, I repent. My first action was to repent. I said, Lord, forgive me. I've been living 18 years with a missed instruction. This is unacceptable. Oh, my gosh. And that's when the Lord showed me he couldn't remind me about it. I said, Lord, why didn't you tell me? He said, I couldn't. Because the time he told me to do it was the perfect time. I would have had time to do it. 
right? And the degree I should have done was available. But if, if, I, if it had been, happened any other time besides 18 years later, I would not have been able to do it the way it needed to be done. So the Lord brought it back to me as an instruction 18 years later because it was the perfect timing. Do you see? So you always could rest assured that if you miss something, God didn't miss it. And you could pray and ask God, God, show me anything I've missed that now is the perfect time to do it. I'm ready to listen. Forgive me. You see? That's humility. And that empowers you. So for the marriages, you need to... Some marriages are just terrible because you don't communicate. You're just horrible at communication. You're not bad people. You're just thinking things that aren't true because you never talk about it. I mean, I tell Pastor Doug, I said, if the people came in our house, they'd be like, what? When we reached our 25th year of marriage, everything changed. It was like we were finally in sync with the way we thought. And look at what we did with not being completely in sync without knowing we weren't in sync. And we realized that the things that we would like have a little edge on or whatever is because we, we weren't thinking at the same high level at the same time. We weren't thinking bad, you know, but it just wasn't like at the same thing. You know what I'm saying? And so when we got like boom, I mean, it's like fabulous. Our marriage is like amazing. I would have said that 20 years ago, but I didn't know how more amazing it could have been. <laughs> You understand? So, and we are still, see, the thing about it is you are a living person. You're growing. You're learning new things. You are seeing things differently, and you need to, you need to, you need to have a way to communicate with you, each other that you can share these things and help the other person. So, like, you double team and grow together without having to go through all the learning. You understand what I'm saying? You get it from the other person. Because you're building trust with each other. You're one. You're doing the one thing properly. Right? And you are open to fixing what you're saying. So if you have something to do and someone is saying, I think we should do it this way, and the other person says, well, huh, let me look at that. How about if we do it this way or add this to it to get it done? If you have a problem with that, then you have pride. And if you have pride, you can't be married to people. <laughs> you can only be married to yourself. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like, pride doesn't ever want anybody else in the game. They have to be the one showing everything. everything. You know how many things happen to this church, ideas and stuff? You guys would never know if it was Pastor Doug's idea or mine. Never. You'd never know because we don't remember either. We would discuss the things and we'd have a, something would come up and be like, oh, yeah, that's what we should do. Do you understand? Yes. So we don't go, oh, well, I should give credit. We don't. Credit for what? It's God. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? It's God. And if somebody says something nice about one of us, we don't go, oh, I can't believe they say that about you. Well, who cares? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But, but like the devil will come in and point the wrong things out. If you are married and you're having a hard time, look at your communication. Look at who is telling who not to do what God wants them to do. 
and the person telling somebody not to do what God wants them to do, they're wrong. I'll tell you right now. Let's do marriage counseling. They're the wrong person. Okay? They're wrong. If you realize you're the wrong person, repent. When you go home today, folks, everybody, go home and repent. <laughs> or if I missed it, help me. <laughs> Tell Pastor Doug, we have salvation. The whole church repented. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying that as long as you're on the earth, you still have an assignment. The question is, can God tell you what it is? Or is your best friend fear riding along for everything you do in life? It's like fear's here. Well, fear said I shouldn't do it. And fear says it's faith over fear. So I got to listen to fear. What? (laughs) You realize when you do faith over fear, fear is the denominator. (laughs) I mean, hey, I didn't like algebra and stuff. And I didn't like all that math stuff. But I'm thinking... The denominator becomes the denominator that makes the decisions for what you do. Isn't that how you decide how to solve a problem? You look at the denominator. Right, Melissa? Isn't that a key thing you look at when you're solving one of these algebra things with A, B, C's, and one, two, threes? I don't know why that's there. I'm going to tell you about algebra. When I was in college, I got my bachelor's. Oh, my gosh. God intervened in my life so many times. When I think about it, I just thank him. I decided, the Lord told me to go to get my um, master's at Regent University, and I only have a year to get it. Well, they don't have a year program. They have a two-year program. But in order to do and he told me when I should do it, right? So in order to do it then, I had to graduate with my bachelor's, right? But I had 25 credits left to do. Well, you do 12, hour, 12 credits per semester. That's normal, right? I was working as a full-time RA. I was doing all kinds of... <laughs> so I'm taking 25 credits, which has never been done before. So I had to get a special letter from the school to tell me if I fail all my classes, it's not their fault. So, right? <laughs> I went to the dean's office, and I said, I would like you to sign off on this. And he looked. He said, this has never been done. I'm not signing off. I said, well, I didn't ask you if it's ever been done. I just want you to sign off on it. He goes... And he just looked at me and left me sitting there, and I wouldn't move. I just sat there. So he went in his office, typed a letter, brought it out, said, sign this, and that's what I found it the other day. I think I should frame it. Anyway, so I'm doing 25 credit hours, and I realized, oh, my gosh, one of these classes is algebra, which I dropped out of earlier when I started because I was like, this is for the birds. I am not doing algebra. So now here I am doing 25 credit hours, which includes algebra. (laughs) I can't, I'll never forget this, the final test, right? Now, I have a bad attitude towards the subject, so that right there is God mercy got me through it, right? I can, I, I, <laughs> I'm doing the final test, and my algebra teacher, who was a, a lady from Trinidad, comes over to me while I'm doing the test, and she starts praying in tongues over me. <laughs> She's got both her hands on my shoulders. I'm doing the test, and she is praying in tongues over me and crying, like bawling. Her tears are falling on my desk while I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, how bad is my grade? Like, obviously, I have not been paying attention. This is serious. I mean, she was bawling. Everybody's, like, looking at her. I'm going. (laughs) I think. That was the only class I got a B minus or a C or something. I was just happy I passed the class. I was just so thrilled that I passed the class. But this, 
and I needed to have a certain, I needed my GPA to stay at a certain level in order to go to grad school without taking all the tests and everything. It all worked out. But my point was, I'll never forget that. <laughs> so I had a bad attitude. It was terrible. I hated algebra with a passion. Like every fiber of my being hated it. And it showed, and it was just, you know, whatever. And so she came and started praying. I don't know what the woman prayed over me, but the Holy Spirit used her in that moment. I passed the class. My point is, God has agents everywhere. You don't have to take fear with you anywhere. Because even if you're going by yourself, God will have somebody show up that he put, in, he put next to you to help you. If you're working as an agent for God, use wisdom when you help people so you don't hear just their side of the story and give the wrong counsel. Right? Because the wrong counsel is also evil counsel. That's what wrong counsel is. It's evil. Right? It's not of God. God's counsel is always right. It's never ever wrong. Like I said on Wednesday, God's never ever told somebody to do something and, they, and it was wrong. <laughs> ever. Like in the history of mankind. He's always been right. That's what we have to count on. The spirit of fear belongs to the loser. I mean, he lost everything, like everything. He was stripped publicly by Jesus who won everything. This is the image we put in our heads. Amen? Amen. Are you guys all right? You want to? So, uh, look, 12. We're good. We're good. We're good. (laughs) I I don't know what to do for an altar call. I don't see that we need one. I think we need need everybody. We just need to repent. How about if I put in a nice word? We need to recalibrate. <laughs> was my mic off the whole time? Oh. Oh, it's the, it's the monitors. I was like, wow, that sounds loud all of a sudden. Uh, we need to recalibrate, okay? Whatever age you are, that decade of your life has an anointing. You need to find out what God is anointing you to do in that decade of your life. The Holy Spirit is there to tell you and to help you. There are souls to be won. There are people to be taught the word. There are children that need somebody fun and happy to be around. You know, all kinds of things. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your word. We worship you in this place today, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that your goodness, that your mercies are new every morning. Daily you load us with benefits. Father, we thank you that we are the head. We are not the tail. We are above. We are not beneath. We are friends with a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We are not friends with a spirit of fear. We, we resist every generational curse, every familiar spirit that has come down the line to carry out its purpose in our family line. We rebuke and we resist all of them in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that the people are free. They've been set free from any bondage, any shame, any sin, anything in their lives that the devil has been using to beat them up with, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies, Lord. If you need prayer for anything in particular, when you came here today and you wanted prayer, just come on up. I'll be happy to pray with you.
Home with them. Pain 